Whether you're making a big geographical move of your ranching operation or just getting started and searching for that place you want to put some roots down, first consider this. That there is no place that's ideal. Today, Chris Jorgensen and Tyler Gardner, who have both respectively managed ranches in various areas of the country and now both currently unit managers for Sunlight Ranch, will join me to talk about the things you need to consider when moving your ranching operation. Ours is a game of cost control. And so if you can look for somewhere where you can have really good control of your costs. And I think I'd also look at how can you diversify that operation? I think any more diversification to to manage your risk is key. So before you head out for greener pastures, better listen in to today's episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome you here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Thanks for joining us here on our program. Just coming in off the road was down in New Orleans, Louisiana this past week for the 2023 Cattle Convention and appreciated the opportunity to be able to meet and see a lot of folks down there, but also uh, hear some of the news and information coming out of those kinds of events. Always one that I enjoy listening is the economic outlook and cattle outlook that Cattle Facts puts out there. Uh, and uh, of course, some of this is coming out if you're checking your emails, you're probably seeing some of that coming out already. But uh, Randy Block and all the guys there with Cattle Facts giving us not only a weather outlook, but the economic outlook and the cattle markets outlook. And uh, to be honest with you, things uh, it's a pretty favorable report. Now, we all know that we're dealing with inflation, high interest rates, fuel prices are high, and some things like that that really take some of the margin out of these higher calf or higher cattle prices that we're seeing. But it does look like for the next several years that that's uh, on a trend to see these markets continuing to move higher, especially when we see just simply a supply and demand factor in the fact that we have seen uh, low cattle numbers over the last few years. And it's going to take a little bit before we see the rebound of our cattle numbers in that. So some good news there coming from that as well. Next year, of course, the cattle convention will be in, in Orlando. And so I'll be looking forward to heading to that as well. On our show today, though, we're going to be talking about, uh, you might be considering moving your ranching operations. Now, it could be a for various reasons. It could be that uh, you're literally wanting to pick up and move from one geographical part of the country to a whole nother different area. Uh, but for some, it could be the fact that uh, development's taking place in one, in your area and you need to move out and look at, at some other locations so that you can maybe uh, 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 start your uh, ranch or move your ranching operation. And so we're going to be talking about some things to be considering when you're looking at doing that. And uh, I've got Chris Jorgensen and Tyler Gardner, both both of them, as I said in the opening, have managed ranches in different parts of the country. They've got a lot of experience of, of operating these ranches in a profitable, I'm going to say that uh, very heavily there, with a, in a profitable mindset. And so they're going to bring some of their experience in that and uh, as we talk through this. And so I'm looking forward to uh, sharing that conversation with you here today. Well, before we get too far, I do want to thank our sponsor of this segment here today, the American Simmental Association. And uh, as I referenced 
experience before just coming in off the road from being down in New Orleans at the 2023 Cattle Convention. was able to sit down and catch up with Chip Kemp uh, with the American Simmental Association and some of the folks there as well and hear about some of the things that uh, they're excited about and working for. We're going to be bringing you more of that uh, from them later on uh, in future shows. But nevertheless, you know, when we talk about Simmental, one of the biggest things of success that they've had is the fact that, uh, you know, uh, heterosis works and that natural way of putting a little pounds on the on those calves uh, in a natural way uh, can be done uh, by the, by that uh, those sim genetics that are out there, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head period. Find out more at Simmental.org. Now, with the captain and I both being down in New Orleans for the uh, cattle convention, it was a good opportunity for us to sit down for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin, and I can say that to you right to your face because you're standing right here on the trade show floor, NCBA. What do you think, New Orleans? You like it? Uh, it's yeah. It's I'm I've had enough rice for a couple days. <laughs> All right, time to move on to the gumbo. This has always been a really good place uh, to have this convention. It's a packed hall and uh, lots of amazing uh, cattlemen's colleges and meetings going on here. Of course, we don't get to very many of those. But I just want to say my shout out this uh, Tim's 2 is going to be to all of the individuals, not just with NCBA, but with the you know, U.S. cattlemen's and every state organization, every, every cattle group that gets together where uh, it's basically um, a place where uh, folks, good folks like you, can can come and, and volunteer your your valuable time and your resources to help kids and help others in the industry and help this uh, country grow and, and and be good. You guys are giving, you're driving countless miles and and terrible conditions in the winter and giving up all kinds of things to make sure that all these volunteer associations are are uh, populated and 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 your voices heard, our voices heard when we can't make it. You guys don't know how much that means to us. Justin, do you want to add to that? No, it's just been, you know, one of the things I, I realized this morning was just looking at that opening or that second session and just realizing how it just gives you some energy when you're around other producers to just keep moving forward. That's right. That's right. And we need that more than ever, folks. Keep the faith. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Captain. It was good catching up with you down in New Orleans. Now, something I want to point out last week's show, I don't know if you had an opportunity to go back and listen to it, but it was about raising your kids on ranch and just a, a discussion I had with Alan Crockett on that. Something that I want to point out is I'd encourage you to go grab the January, February issue of Working Ranch Magazine and look at Tim's article on Top and Out and have your kids read that. If you got kids that are raising, you're raising in the house there and they're going to, and they're working there on the ranch, have them read that article because I think there's a lot of stuff in there too uh, that uh, it was very, is really ties in, is very relevant to our topic last week on raising kids on the ranch. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to go and listen to that, you can find it on our podcast site at workingranchradio.com and take a listen there. By the way, if you do want to get a hold of me about anything you hear on the show or topic or ideas for shows, uh, please feel free to send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Well, stay with us. Coming up next, we're going to get into our featured topic, and it's on changing your ranch location, things you might want to be considering if you're looking at doing that. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll get into it on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. 
A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus sired steer calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Glad to have you along for our show here today as uh, we're covering a topic that I feel I've had some inquiries from time to time, as we said at the opening of the show, uh, about folks looking to maybe move their ranching operations or maybe you're in an area where it's you've seen a lot of development and you need to move your operation or wanting to pick up and, and move to different parts of the country. And with that in mind, there's a lot of things that need to be factored in and be thought about. And so today I've got a couple a uh, gentleman joining me here to give us a little bit more of uh, their insight on it. They've managed ranches across the country in some different places. And so I'm glad to have Chris Jorgensen, who is a unit manage, uh, seated Creek unit manager for Sunlight Ranch, and Tyler Gardner, who's a livestock manager for their Beartooth unit. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you, you for, having for having us. All right. Well, before we get started and in getting into some of the, the details of this, I, I want first both of you to give me a little background on yourselves, because I, I, I do want folks to understand the fact that you, you both have managed ranches in literally in different parts of the country. And I think that experience will give folks an idea that uh, who I'm talking to today has some experience in that. So, Chris, uh, I'll have you start first and give us a little background of, of, of you and the places that you've managed. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I guess I didn't I didn't grow up ranching, but it, something about it uh, kind of stuck with me or, or called to me. And so uh, that was something I, I pursued. I'd been around it, but I was, you know, I've been pretty fortunate to have a lot of opportunities. Uh, most of them have been throughout the, the Intermountain West, uh, Nevada, Utah, Wyoming, Montana. Um, but I was, I've been real fortunate to spend a little time in the sand hills of Nebraska on a pretty intensively managed operation. Uh, in my opinion, an excellently managed operation. Uh, spent a few years in the Flint Hills of Kansas, and uh, I actually have a, a short nine-month stint in Russia. That was. Uh, I know there were a number of people here about ten years ago that mm-hmm. that uh, jumped on those opportunities. So been fortunate to be around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Tyler, we'll go to you and also just a little background on your your experience as well. Yeah, so I was uh, raised in Western Wyoming on a on a small family dairy farm, and it it didn't take me very long to to find out that beef cows were a lot more fun than than dairy cows, and we had a neighbor down the road that was was good enough to kind of take me under his wing and mentor me and, and really kind of lit that fire for, and passion for, for ranching and the beef industry. And I was able to do a internship in the Sand Hills of Nebraska, uh, to the same place Chris had worked, um, between my junior and senior year. And then after my senior year, I, I went back and was there for, for five years, um, before going on to, on to get my master's degree from uh, from uh, the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management down in South Texas, and that that was a really great experience, and I was able to see a a lot of really cool ranches and and do some some really high level projects for ranches in in uh, Kansas, Texas, and I spent three months down in Florida on a on a large ranch just north of Okeechobee, 
and was really able to, to get in with the crew there and as well see the finances and kind of what it takes to, to ranch in that part of the world. And then we came, we came back here to northern Wyoming, uh, southern Montana. So I'm not, I haven't traveled overseas like Chris, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not that diverse, I guess. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that, that Russian, uh, Russia experience, and I do remember that, Chris, several years ago. I do remember when there was a lot of activity there, not only in folks going over there, but also a lot of cattle from the U.S. Uh, headed over that direction as well. But that's, that's another show someday maybe to talk about that, how that, how that all went out. Um, guys, so, uh, we all kind of visited about this topic quite a bit, um, and as I said before, folks, I wanted some 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 guys that had been in different parts of the country. When we look at this idea of moving your ranch, maybe you're in the Midwest, you want to move out uh, further to the West, or maybe you're still in the West, and it's a matter of different. Uh, maybe you're more you want to move north or move south, or or different things that you want to bring into mind. And Chris, I'll go to you first. And I guess as as you've had time to ponder this topic, I've talked to you before on the phone on this. Let's kind of go through some things, and and you and Chris and Tyler, you guys can bounce things off from this. But let's start. And Chris, from your perspective, what is maybe a, a couple things right off the bat that you think think are pretty critical to be thinking about? Um, I guess the first one that comes to mind is that there is no place that's ideal. And, uh, you, you know, you might, you might come across, a, uh, an opportunity or hear about something and, and look at that and think, wow, that's just, that'd be great. And you might get caught up in some sort of, a. uh, I can't think of a better term, but maybe some giddy optimism about, wow, if I make this change, you know, life's going to be great. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, things are going to be so much better. And uh, if we go to this one area, things are going to be easier, better, whatever. There's always going to be something. So if you're considering a change, go in with, carry a pretty good grain of salt with you. Pay, pay good attention. Talk to the neighbors. Find out the hows and the whys. I think about a conversation when I went to when I went to Kansas and uh, went and visited a neighbor, trying to introduce myself and get get to know people. and And he was talking about where I'd come from in Central Wyoming, and, and uh, he asked, uh, you know, he says, "Well, well, how many? How big was that ranch you you were taking care of? Oh, it was it was about eighty thousand acres." He said, "Oh, well, how many cows was on there?" You know, he he was thinking, you know, ten thousand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I says, oh, it was probably about a thousand cows. And his jaw just hit the floor. And, <laughs> you know, he, he he actually shouted to his wife in the other room, hey, did you hear that? <laughs> he only had this many cows on all that country. And uh, but for me, I was I was thinking the same thing only re- in reverse when I got there. There's there's sure a big difference between uh, nine inches of moisture and uh, on the high desert and uh and 36 inches of rain, and you have to consider those sorts of things. Put it all in context um, so that you can understand. Really, just look at something clearly and be able to to critic, you know, look at it critically and see the pluses and the minuses. Mm-hmm. Tyler, I'll go to you now, and kind of the same question because I think we can get into some specific things for, but first, but I want to open the door and kind of give your get your thoughts with the same question as far as is there some things one, two, three things or a few things that you would say here's what you really need to be thinking about. I think uh, for me, first off, I think you have to decide like, can you be happy there? You know, if you move to X, Y, or Z part of the country, can 
can you be happy there? Most importantly, you know, can your wife be happy there? <laughs> what are the school systems like? You know, what culture shocks are you going to, are you going to encounter? Um, cause, so we did our internship in Nebraska. Um, I went out and was there for two weeks, drove back to Laramie. My wife had our, our first child. And then three days later, I drug her out to the, the sand hills and we were there the rest of the summer. And we had a good summer. It was fun. And then I signed, I signed that full-time contract to go back and I drug her out there again with another baby in tow. So we had two and, and that the first six months was, was rough out there. Like it, it was a, it was a rough transition. The first time we went there, it was, uh, you know, there was light at the end of the tunnel. It was an internship. We could see the light at the end of the tunnel. So we took it all in stride. And the second time we went there, I mean, we were committed. Mm-hmm. That that was our life for the foreseeable future, you know, and it was, we were, we were a long ways from town. We, we were even further from family. And, uh, and it, it, it was that first six months was, was, <laughs> was rough. I would come home at night and I'd get on the computer and I could see my wife had been looking up jobs back home. <laughs> I mean, she was, mm-hmm. she was hunting a way out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I think for me the you know, make sure that, that you can be happy there. Your family can be happy there, that culturally there's not going to be those shocks. And then and like kind of what to Chris said, you know, get, get a feel for the culture, get a feel for the country. You know, what are things that, that they do there and, and why do they do them there? Don't, don't go try to, to reinvent the wheel and taking what, what you do from back home and laying it out in that part of the world, because there's probably a good reason why they either do or don't do that. And if somebody's already went through that learning curve, there's no sense in going through it again. Mm-hmm. My guests today are Chris Jorgensen and Tyler Gardner. Both of them are unit managers for the Sunlight Ranch, and uh, we're going to continue more with them. And guys, when we come back, we're going to get more into some specific things like what do we need to be looking for when it when it comes down to weather, cl- weather and climate and water and the different kinds of rights, surface rights, subsurface rights, water rights, soil type, just a lot of specifics that we're going to get into, guys, when we come back. So stay with us. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Cattle producers, here's a way to put more dollars in your pocket. Put the Amifirm advantage found in all Gain Smart Mineral to work in your cow herd. Amifirm is the industry leader in increasing fiber digestion. In fact, research shows putting Amifirm to work increases forage utilization by 10%, reducing overall forage costs and allowing you to graze more animals per acre. That's a big time return on your investment. To find which Gain Smart Mineral formula is right for your herd, visit Gainsmart.com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Our topic here today is we're talking about uh, looking at uh, picking up your ranching operation or maybe looking at a ranching operation in different parts of the countries and some of the things you need to be considering on. My guest today, Chris Jorgensen, he's the Seated Creek Unit Manager and Tyler Gardner, he's the Beartooth Unit Manager for Sunlight Ranch. And again, gentlemen, I, I appreciate you taking the time here to, to join us on this program. In the first 
first segment, we were talking about your guys' perspective, just asking you a question, a couple things that you want uh, folks to be thinking of as they're looking at those potential moves. And there could be various reasons. Some people just literally wanting to get to a different part of the country. For some people, it could be developments taking place and you're having to move out of a certain area into and be looking at something else. So with that in mind, Chris, I'll go to you first. And there's there's some things that when we look at these from a production standpoint for a ranch and, and being a productive ranch, if we're going to try to uh, make this ranch be a profitable venture, um, let's let's look from that perspective. And what, what would be some things that you would want to consider in terms of helping that ranch to be a productive and efficient ranch? Um, I guess what it makes me think of like I was saying earlier, there's there's no there's no silver bullet, um, but I do think that uh, this whole idea that as ranchers we are selling a commodity, which means we kind of get the price we want. Sometimes we might we might be able to do a little this or that with our marketing to add some value, but still, as a whole, it, it doesn't happen very often that somebody says, "I like your calves so much. Here's a blank check to tell me what you want for them." <laughs> yeah. So. I guess the point of that is that ours is a game of cost control. And so if you can look for somewhere where you can have really good control of your costs, some some might say, you know, go somewhere where you don't have to feed. Well, and there are there are places like that, but I would I would caution against that because I, I would just say go to where you think you can raise your cattle for however much less than what you can sell them for. And, uh, you know, I, I know of places, some of these high desert places that really don't feed anything. And uh, that sounds like a good deal. But you may have to adjust. You might have to go against the grain of what is being done there traditionally or what most people are doing, no matter what you're doing. You, you're going to have to look outside the box. But I would look for somewhere where you have some sort of cost advantage, whether it's access to cheap feed, or where you don't generally don't have to feed access to markets. There are places in the country where just marketing, getting the cattle to, to where the market is, is a, is a huge restriction. So that's not a real specific answer, but just try to look at it, categorize what's going to go on with your costs and what are your costs going to look like in this area? That's how I'd look at it. Mm-hmm. Tyler, I'm going to go to you with this next question. And one of the things that we do know when it comes to agriculture is we do rely an awful lot on, you know, what on, on the weather. And you can include a lot of things in that weather, which also is your water and your temperatures. And 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 like Chris was saying, you know, it's going to affect maybe uh, feed or the access to forage and various things of that nature. So from a, a weather and water standpoint, if you were looking at a place what would you be looking for from that standpoint? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And you know, the, as far as the the weather and the water, I mean, I first was addressing the water. You know, making sure that it you know it, it has good water, whether that's live running water or wells or or whatever that may be. But making sure that there there's water on that place, that it's well distributed, and that you can you know that you can access you know your cattle will be able to access it. You'll be able to to uh to effectively u- utilize all of your acreage um with that i would also look at, at, at your water rights you know how strong are the water rights on that place and like i know in the state of montana right now there's a big push to 
to get all of your your water rights adjudicated, make sure you have them tied up so they can't you know they can't be taken away or or it'd be harder to be taken away. And so so doing your 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 background there because what you may think you have you know you you might not have just because you're the first guy on the on the ditch doesn't mean that that water is yours when. When I was growing up, we we had a a ranch over by Daniel, Wyoming, and we were we were the second to last guy on the ditch, but we had the the second oldest water right. And one year that water got tight, and when we called for it, all those guys up the up the creek had to had to let it go by them down to down to that ranch because that water right was the oldest. So I'd I'd really make do your due diligence there and make sure you have what you think you have. And then as far as the weather, you know, every every part of the country deals with its weather in its own way, I guess, with its, with its own effect. When I was down in school, I was really fortunate to have a great classmate in uh, Zane Heron. And uh, he was, he'd ranched, born and raised in Texas, and uh, he'd ranched for a good number of years down in South Texas. And he was telling me one day about how he'd sweated through his leggings. It was so hot, he sweated clean through his pants and his leggings. I remember I told him, I said, why, like, why would you do that? Like move. And then we were looking at pictures and there's a picture of his preg checking cows in a blizzard. And he had the same response. Why, why, like, why would you do that? Like move. So it, it, what, what can you be comfortable with? What do you know how to manage around? What, what tools and skills do you have to, to be effective? Um, I'm part of a, it, I don't know, it sounds silly, I guess, but a, a Snapchat group is guys that that i met through a beef leadership um a beef leadership cohort and we're spread out from montana tennessee um south dakota iowa oklahoma missouri to florida and and that that is a very fun group to be a part of and and see ideas getting bounced off each other and what what everybody's struggling with um you know while we're up here struggling with freezing freezing temperatures and and snow my buddy down in in florida you know he's he's dealing with where to put water mm-hmm. he has too much water coming in from the rains or the hurricane so i mean it's all it's all going to be a struggle and and what are you comfortable with where's your competitive advantage and i think i'd also look at how can you diversify that operation i think any more diversification to to manage your risk is key you know what what can you do to to diversify that operation can you can you run a cash crop with it that you can come back and graze your cows across? You know, can you, you run a, a different species of livestock, you know, do, do multi-layer species grazing. Um, what can you do there to, to really utilize those acres and, and manage that, that forage that you have in a way that it'll pay you back, but it'll also be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good good point there. Uh, Chris, I want to go back to you with this question. You touched on it when in your very first answer here today about the folks when you were uh, back in, I think it was Kansas or something like that, you'd said, and, they, and the old boy kind of hollered at his wife about how many uh, cows, how few cows you run on the acres that you have there. So l- let's get into that just a little bit because that's kind of back into the weather and the climate because there are different areas. Um, you know, if they say technically if you're in a 12-inch rainfall per year, Year, less than that you're considered a desert area and i know there's also some of that depends on how far north you are in the country versus how far south so let's talk a little bit about climate and some things to be looking at in that in terms of how that's going to dictate what you do on a ranch yeah you bet um precipitation matters 
you're right uh, about aridity and and humidity. That makes a difference, but also consistency of weather. I'm not sure, you know, up here in the Intermountain West, you can kind of set your clock, you know, with some various variations. But, you know, you're going to get the moisture in the winter and, and in the spring, and you might get a little bit in the fall. And, and that's how it works in this Pacific climate. But I toured a ranch in the panhandle of Texas, and uh, the way the manager put it down there was on a 12-month cycle, they might have an average year, but they got all, they got all 24 inches in a two-week period. And they don't know when it's going to hit. And so it, it took me a while to comprehend, uh, you know, for example, on, on the far southern plains, especially in Texas, that nuance that, yeah, you might have an average, quote unquote, rainfall year, but uh, it's erratic down there. And, and so understanding the weather patterns or lack thereof is important, uh, knowing how much, you know, if you're in a place that that gets snowbound or doesn't get snowbound and knowing how to watch that i i think of a place a neighboring ranch in southern wyoming from where i was at and they could winter out most years and but then there was the one year that they got caught so uh yeah the weather is something for sure to keep in mind yeah my guests today are chris jorgensen and tyler gardner they're both unit managers for sunlight ranch and uh, when we come back we're going to continue got just a little bit more about climate because i think we need to talk and flush out a little bit too the details the fact that how much it takes to run a cow in different parts of the country we're going to flush that out a little bit more and then tyler you'd also talked a little bit about uh, you know diversifying your operation and and ways that you can do that and i want to get into that as well stay with us folks you're listening to the working ranch radio show Set up the next generation for a productive lifetime with Zinpro Avela 4. Achieve productive success in your cows with 20% increased conception rate and a 16-day tighter calving interval. Calves from cows supplemented with Zinpro hit the ground running with improved immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zinpro Avela 4. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we are talking today about the uh, the idea of, of if you're going to pick up and move your ranching operation, or maybe you're looking at a ranching operation, what that would uh, would look like, especially if it's in a different part of the country than what you're familiar with, and with some things you need to be keeping in mind under that perspective. My guests today, Chris Jorgensen and Tyler Gardner, they're both unit managers uh, for Sunlight Ranch. And uh, gentlemen, we were we've we've talked about some things. You guys have hit some things that I wanted to visit with a little bit about. In the, in the last segment, we were talking a bit about uh, weather and climate and how important that is. Um, Chris, I'll just go a little back with you on this a, a bit, too, because um, when we get to weather and climate, that's really going to affect our stocking rates or our production that we do have on a ranch, because that in, in, in also indicates the amount of moisture a place gets and the types of forage that it can grow there. And I know a lot of times when folks are looking at different parts of the country they're going to be enamored by wow look how much more land i can buy there versus what it is here and i i think that's that's one that would be a big caution wouldn't you say absolutely i mentioned a little earlier about my neighbor and i marveling at differences in stocking rate between a 36 inch rain precipitation zone and a nine inch precipitation zone and uh yeah for sure i you know we could throw out Eastern Nebraska, Eastern Kansas, uh, into Missouri and the fescue country, you're looking at, you know, pretty small 
acreages to carry cattle. And uh, you get out here in, in the West and you can go down on the railroad and in that checkerboard country and, and pick up several sections of deeded ground in a nine inch vegetation zone. And, you know, you could probably pick that up for 40 or $50,000 and, and you just won't have a whole heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's arid and dry. Uh, that said, it, as you're looking from the humid areas at, at the arid areas, uh, just some things to consider is how much precipitation does it get? How frequent or reliable is it? And at what time of the year does it come? Uh, that place in central Wyoming, it, it all came in the winter. I, I, I think I saw liquid rain, you know, five or six times the whole time <laughs> I was there. Mostly came in, in the form of the white stuff. So you have to consider that. And then, but, you know, you should also consider irrigation and sub-irrigation because they're you know, there might be an opportunity. I, I can think of a listing I saw once for a, a river bottom ranch for a heck of a steel, had a lot of flood irrigation, and uh, you could have made that work. So mm-hmm. if the water doesn't come from the sky, see if it comes from a well or, or from a ditch and keep that in mind. Just that precipitation dictates your stocking rate and the frequency, timing, and reliability of that precipitation also has a tremendous impact on that and i would say going the other direction say you were somebody from the west looking to go into the more humid areas you might be surprised to see cattle in the winter standing belly deep in grass and losing condition Uh, those are just things that you have to consider as you're going that direction yeah there you might get more rain but it didn't you know you've grown a lot more grass but it, it hasn't changed some things and uh it just comes back down to doing your homework mm-hmm. and, and being able to understand what you're really looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler, let's go to you now because you had talked about diversifying and making and looking at places. If you're looking at places, ways that uh, maybe they have the ability to be diversified and you felt that was pretty important. And, um, and at the same time, you also said, you know, when you go in and looking at those places, what do they do and why do they do that? And, and take some of that into account. So when you're looking at these places and, and sometimes you can be diversified and be only 30, I mean, we could be talking about guys that's just moving maybe a hundred miles south or a hundred miles north of where they're at now from flatland to timber country or timber country to flatland. And so when we look at, look at these places um, from an enterprise standpoint, what do we need to be looking about? Yeah. So, um, and I think it's, it's kind of, you know, where, what part of the country and you mentioned timber is one, you know, that'd be a, a good opportunity if you're, if you're moving into some timber ground, you know, what can you do? You know, maybe you, you, you have timber and you need to do some pasture improvements, you know, to, to get your stocking rate up and get more grass production. Well, can you monetize that, you know, the, that timber rather than it just being a, a straight cost to you? And shoot, maybe your your diversification is not not necessarily looking at firing up a you know a new cash crop or a new species of of cattle, but but maybe you start doing some direct marketing to consumers. You know, some ranch raised beef. There's different parts of the country that you can do. You can do different things. Like I know tourism is a is a big thing, kind of where we're at. Mm. And you know, are you are you comfortable with with bringing people out to your ranch and and having that tourist enterprise? But 
you know, with the, the kind of renaissance era of the cowboy coming on now and everybody wanting to, <laughs> to be ripped from Yellowstone, yeah. you know, you could, you could monetize that aspect of your ranch. If, if that's something that you feel like you could do and you have the labor to do it and, uh, you know, without a bunch of additional costs, but just like anything, you're going to want to dive in and, and really find the deadwood in that. And is it actually going to be profitable for you? Or is it just going to be a, another headache that, that you have to deal with and have very have very minimal return? Mm-hmm. You bet. Good comments there, guys. I'm gonna we're gonna do kind of a quick uh, series here of things, and, and I'm gonna have you rate some of these items from uh, one to ten. And if you have multiple things that rate at the same thing, that's fine. I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight items that I'm gonna I'm gonna say what they are, and I'll have you guys on a scale of one to ten, kind of give me a rating on where you think those should be when it comes to your decision factors or your decision tree. If if you're looking at moving, you know, to uh, to an area, okay. So you guys good with this? We're gonna we'll get started here, and I'll and I'll call each one of you out and have you give me an answer on that. We're gonna start, and we're gonna, some of these we're gonna go back through some of the things we've kind of already talked about. So Chris, I'll go with you first of all. Um, and on a scale of one to ten, weather and climate, weather and climate, what would you give that? Uh, seven. A seven. How about you, Tyler? Yeah, I I think I was gonna say about an eight, and I think it's you know. Weather and climate that you feel comfortable managing because okay. every, you know, as we've already addressed, every every part of the country's weather and climate's going to have its challenge. Okay. Next one here, water development uh, and access to, to water. Uh, Chris, you can go first. Nine, but I'd also include potential. Okay. All right. Tyler? Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with Chris, a nine or a ten, and, you know, like whether that's an abundance of water like they they have at times in the southern states or or dry water but just make sure that you know you you either have access to it or if you have too much you have a way to to manage that okay now here's a, here's something that we didn't really talk about, but uh, it is something that I know uh, for those of us here in the West that have uh, a lot of different um, petroleum development and various things like that. But subsurface rights that you have them or don't have them, or, or I guess a value to that subsurface rights. What would you rate that? I'd put it at a nine or a ten, just making sure that what you're paying for as you're buying that property reflects. You know, whether or not you have those rights. Okay. Uh, Tyler? Yeah, I'd agree. Okay. Okay. And uh, let's go now to the ability to have diversified enterprises. And I know we just talked a little bit about that. Tyler, you talked about some different things to be considering on that, but the ability to have some diverse enterprises. Chris, what's your ranking on that? My answer would be pretty complicated on that. (laughs) Okay. My brain's just firing on all cylinders on that question, but five to seven. It's in the top half. I'm being wishy-washy. I think that's a complicated question. There's more to it, and we maybe some of it. I'm 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 grasping from you. Maybe a little bit would be we we can't get too spread out. We still need to kind of be centered on what we're going to do. Would be my thought a little bit on that. But Tyler, what do you think on that? On that, your ranking on that? I think, man, I think it's got to be an eight. Okay. Um, I think it's pretty important. 
Okay. All right. Next one. Uh, infrastructure on the ranch. And we're talking about things like corrals and barns and fences and water development kind of fence into that a little bit. But we've already hit that. But let's let's think about the physical things and I'll switch things up. Tyler, uh, what what do you rank that? I'd put that at probably a five. Okay. If there is no infrastructure, then you can uh, you can build it how you want it. You're not stuck with what's there. Okay, that's good. How about you, Chris? I actually put it about an eight. Okay. Um, just making sure that what you're buying is reflecting, or what you're paying is reflecting what you're buying. You you might pay a little more for something with better infrastructure. You might be buying a dump, but you can get it for a steal. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea I'd put it there. Okay. A couple more things here real quick. Um, access to amenities, and I'm thinking like food, grocery, supplies, banking, accountants, and other professional services. Tyler? Um, I'd put that at probably a seven, but if it was your family, like their access, and that's going to affect their happiness, I'd put that at a ten. <laughs> okay. From experience, speaking from experience, I can tell there. Chris, what about you? Uh, ditto. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, and final one here, real quick. Uh, Tyler, you talked about this a bit ago, but community demographics, things like culture, religion, school system, age of population. Uh, Tyler, how would you rank that one to ten? So again, if you're looking at the family, that's I think that's a ten. Mm-hmm. Most ranchers are hermits anyway. We we very very rarely leave. So if it's just the individual guy, I don't think it's as is is high but if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy, as they say. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris. Oh, I would agree. Yeah. Um, I, can, I can think about some of the uh, cultural incongruities that I've run into. Um, I, I'm echoing Tyler sentiment. I'm, I'm probably more of a hermit than most, but uh, sometimes you clash and that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. So you do. That's probably a 10. Yep. Okay. Well, guys, we're kind of running out of time here. I wanted to give you both a final chance to to maybe give your final thoughts, but we're going to need to get going here. I, I do appreciate you joining us. I think you've offered a lot of different insight and firsthand experience. I appreciate the stories that you have with the comments because I think that, that explains that there's, you know, here's, here's what I'd suggest and here's why it was very helpful for all of us. So uh, to both of you, I appreciate you joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And again, my guest today, Chris Jorgensen, manager of the Cedar Creek Unit, Tyler Gardner, manager of the Beartooth Unit for Sunlight Ranch, today talking on this subject of if you're considering or looking at changing, geographically changing the location of your ranch and picking up and moving, or you're uh, maybe wanting to look at another area and start up a ranch, some things to be considering with that, some things we discussed here today that I think are extremely relevant to this topic. Now, I thought it was interesting, uh, and both Chris and Tyler touched on it at different points and in different ways but the fact too that if this is going to be a family move then it's pretty important that the family can work it can do it and it can make it work and is okay with that and then both Tyler and Chris uh, made that obvious in different comments in the way that they made uh, we, as we talked about that one final thing and Chris made a comment about this is that no place is perfect so if you're out there thinking that there's just this perfect spot in the country to ranch uh, you're not going to find it now there's definitely some places you shouldn't go or probably should not really consider but at the same time if that you're looking for that perfect place you're just not going to find it you got to find the 
the place that you can manage within the elements that you're going to be dealing with there. And I thought Chris did a good job of pointing that out as well. Well, stay with us. When we come back, meteorologist Don Day joins us as we take a look at our long-term weather. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy-to-use app that simplifies record-keeping and makes decision-making easier. Keep track of herd inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important herd data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to PerformanceLivestockAnalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills, we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And both and Don, both you and I, uh, this last week down in New Orleans, uh, not too bad of weather down here uh, as it was, but uh, I know folks coming through Dallas, boy, they really hit the middle of that storm as it was migrating from Dallas all the way up through the, uh, kind of up uh, to the north and the east. Yeah, I tell you, that ice storm that went through Texas, uh, went through one of the biggest airport hubs in the country making it really hard for folks to get to New Orleans uh, if you had to get routed through Dallas with half to three quarters of an inch of ice. And not only, you know, in, in parts of central Texas, but this ice went across many parts of northern Arkansas, even into Tennessee and Kentucky and all part of that Arctic air mass that, uh, boy, brought a lot of winter weather to a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. So we went through a pretty good cold spell and ice down down in the south Uh the last week as we look ahead we're in the full fledged into the month of february now it's a little bit milder here but uh, we still have some indications that we're going to see some winter weather we do we got a lot of winter left Uh, they're going to see possible record cold in parts of new england this weekend uh we saw get this a minus 60 in utah over this past week so there's a lot of cold air bottled up in the northern hemisphere. So what when when we look at the calendar, you know, here we are in early February or so, and you would expect there to be more winter, but we're getting a lot of indications that for the lower 48, and I'll include Canada into the mix here, is that the month of February and the month of March in particular, um, the opportunity for more cold shots out of the Arctic and, and, and some winter storms is certainly on the table. Um, so uh, while we don't expect, I would say, in the next week, anything major with the weather, as we get into the week of Valentine's week uh, and then the, the last half of February, do expect the storm activity to pick up and we will see. Some rain and snow return to the far west coast again. Uh, we'll see that this weekend and the next week as well. All right. So looking out uh, as we uh, the with the uh, La Nina forecast out there, I know as, as a lot of folks coming off of the uh, cattle convention, there was an update by uh, Cattle Facts on a weather outlook. And, it, and uh, of course, we've had the same conversation here that we know that uh, La Nina is fading and in that neutral territory. Is that uh, in that neutral element? Is that going to be are we going to see that neutrality just kind of weather wise across the country affect that? Yeah, and the answer is yes, and I think we've already seen it. I mean, I think we we have seen the weakening La Nina have impact with the big rains and the big snows that hit California and parts of the West Central United States. That is kind of an indication that things are changing out in the Pacific with those sea surface temperatures. 
And the, the most recent data that we have continues to suggest that this trend will continue. Now, for those folks that maybe are thinking, well, are we going to go into a full-fledged El Nino by spring? No, that's not going to happen. But we are going to go into that neutral phase with probably an official El Nino by late summer, early fall. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, Don. Appreciate it, and uh, glad you got back safely uh, from New Orleans. And as I was telling the captain earlier in the show, he asked me what I thought of New Orleans so far. We had a great time down there, uh, but I've had enough rice for a while. <laughs> I bet you have. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. You can go and find his daily video podcast that he kicks out every Monday through Friday morning. Oh, by the way, if you're thinking of maybe a a rain gauge or some other weather-related materials and things you might be looking for, check out his website as well at dayweather.com. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we'll put a close on this week's edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show, Justin Mills, as uh, we're just wrapping up uh, this week's show, coming to you from the 2023 Cattle Convention in New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, before we head out here today, real quick, I caught up with Dan Johnson, who's with Everag. Uh, and uh, Dan, one of the things, as you know, when we come to these kind of conventions, is the fact that we get to see and, and, and kind of hear some of the latest things coming down the line. And I know when it comes to risk management element, some, something new for producers out there yeah absolutely so like justin said i'm dan johnson with everag financial services and we've heard about some new interesting products right now we work on uh, livestock futures as well as uh, livestock insurance like the livestock risk protection a lot of people learned about that coming through the pandemic and dealing with uh, new ways to deal with risk and manage finance better Um, and what we saw at convention was agrologic presented about wean calf revenue protection which it sounds like it's going to be a very interesting product it's going to mirror a little bit more of what typical crop insurance looks like so a little bit more like crop multi-parallel insurance Um, and why that's important is it's called revenue for a reason because it's to protect not only the price you get on cattle but also they were discussing things like if the cattle die for some reason um, that is also going to be protected in that revenue so there's a lot to discuss and a lot to learn still Um, even the presenters made it obvious that you know it's a pilot program we're getting to the point where uh, where it's going to come out next summer I believe in certain states so we're excited to see what that can do for the industry and you know one of the most interesting things they said was only about 20% of livestock producers are hedging risk whether that's futures or insurance so we're excited to work with producers and hopefully get more of that risk managed. 
All right, Dan, I appreciate it. Uh, real quick, just as you talked with a lot of producers this week, uh, besides probably a little bit of that information we talked about, what else? Just real quick that uh, that that's kind of when it comes to risk management, uh, we've, we've been in a drought situation in some areas of the country, some areas maybe not so much, and then we've seen these cattle prices coming up a little bit, but at the same time, we're still trying to analyze and manage our risk. Absolutely. So, yeah, we've seen prices come up, and people are excited about that, but on the other side of things, you know, there's huge challenges we're dealing with a lot of inflation interest rates are changing that price is getting huge you definitely need to throw that into a break even now unlike we had to in the past so you know we talk to customers and yeah price is a lot better than last year but we also look at these inputs and you know there's a lot of challenges most guys aren't making a lot more money than they were last year so that's where this risk management comes in and is helpful you know you're able to take opportunity when it's there and just manage risk so that you know the finances of the operation aren't a big stress for you all right dan uh, real quick how do they get a hold of or find more information if they'd like to i'd go to our website so we have a very interesting name it's ever ag and what that stands for is ever.ag so that's all you have to do type it in the website or uh, go to google and you can find us we'd love to talk to you well, Dan, I appreciate you joining us here, and, and, and as we uh, listening to the jazz singer in the background, I uh, hope it didn't, uh, didn't uh, drown us out, but appreciate you joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And again, that was Dan Johnson with EverAg, and uh, of course, get a hold of them if you have any questions about some of the risk uh, to risk management tools that are out there. There definitely has been uh, a real uh, buildup of that and some more tools that's being made available, as, you, as he was talking about there, and uh, it is some things that are very useful in uh, encourage you to check it out for yourself as well uh, real quick before we head out here today i do want to let you know coming up on next week's show we're going to be talking more about dna testing of your cattle i, I know we've had some uh, shows on this but i want to continue to work through some of that because i know it's in the time of the year where we're potentially looking at replacement heifers and whether or not we should keep these is it worth uh going through that and at the same time uh, uh some things that we can we can figure out within that and so we're going to be talking about dna testing on your on your cattle your replacement type cattle that you're looking at keeping back and some of the advantages and things to be aware of when you're looking at doing that. Quick thank you to our sponsor today, uh, the American Simmental Association. And, you know, several years ago, there was a bre- uh, survey done on several different breeds of, of bulls sourced by commercial producers. And did you know that one of the largest growth in bull breed types during that time was bulls with Sim Genetics? Heterosis works, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental. Well, again, if you'd like to get a hold of me about something you heard on the show, a topic you'd like us to cover, please reach out to me. My email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com, or you can give me a call at 307-363-COWS. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. And I can tell you, being down here in New Orleans, a lot of folks walking by and say, this is the only magazine we read. It's Working Ranch Magazine. So if you don't have your subscription started, you can go to workingranchmag.com and get your subscription started here today. Well, be sure to join us each and every week at the same time, same place, or on your podcast provider. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.